When you're designing a recipe, there's a couple ways of going about it. You can do a clone recipe of a different beer that you might like and then start tweaking that. Or you might be able to step back and look at a dozen different recipes and, and understand what you like, brew that, and then see what you want to change. I imagine that's the same thing if you're baking cakes or, or anything like that. You're tweaking and, and, and making changes uh, on every batch. Welcome to Creating Community, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and others together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Coffee House and 1820 Marketing in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Today, we're back recording at the Coffee House. If you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to subscribe to hear more. You can use whatever podcast platform you get your podcasts from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, CastBox, and more. In this episode of Creating Community, we're speaking with Kevin Sitta. Kevin is the brewmaster of Sitta Beer Works out of Pearland. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Fantastic. So before we get to Sitta Beer Works, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So one thing that not many people know is that I was born in Detroit. What? Detroit? Yeah, right oh, outside I didn't of Detroit in Birmingham. So I still have a lot of family up there. I haven't been up there in a while, but uh, we we moved down here when in the early 80s, so I was only a, a little boy at that time, and uh, grew up on the northwest side of town, and um, you know, went to high school, went to trade school, went to um, technical school after that, and I really got into the uh, the IT game, the technical game. And so when you say technical school, you went to... Yeah, I did kind of go a little fast there, sorry about that. <laughs> Not used to people uh, asking me about my past, but uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I graduated at, at Cypress Creek, and uh, shortly after that, I went to MTI, which was a uh, equivalent to ITT. It was a gotcha. technical trade school, and uh, graduated and just uh, in 99, and uh, have been doing IT work since, so... I'm a techie, nerdy guy. <laughs> now you say that. I think of where computers were in 1999, and they've changed. Systems have changed a lot. Processes have changed a lot. Cloud computing was not a thing. It was not. People Y2K still look up. was a thing. Yeah. Y2K. Y2K oh my, only. You remember that? Yeah. I've not yes. Heard Going that back. Forever. Jeez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. So for as much of a beast as they were to work on, I was not very technical. I, we had computers growing up, but I was not like the tech. What was it about computers that kind of excited you and had you go into the process you went to school for it? And- yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I often question why I ever got into <laughs> it. I've always uh, liked techn- technology. Um, I really like home automation and uh, really getting into that at a higher level. Um, but technology, making it work, fixing it, implementing it. It's just something I have a passion for and always, uh, always enjoyed it. Nice. So how have you maintained that knowledge of computers as they're changing? I mean, they're changing as fast as you buy new ones, right? So how do you stay up with that so that you're always the leading edge of that technology? It's not easy. It is not easy. There's always a new product out there that's doing something new. There's always a new solution, new services, cloud computing, as uh, everyone knows, is, is very big out there right now. Um, so it's, it's, it is difficult. It's difficult to know everything that's going on. 
but you get in the rhythm of it. You you read a lot, uh, Reddit, Google, right. everything. It, it just keep at it. And the job that I have, uh, you're forced into it. So we uh, we support small to medium sized businesses on the daily. So it's really forced into learning the right. new stuff that's coming out and staying up with it. Sure. You know, we've talked a lot in, in recent episodes. Obviously, the pandemic has been a huge, huge obstacle that a lot of people have had to overcome. For you, you guys are probably on the forefront of being able to work from home or remotely. Has anything changed for you or? All of it has changed. All of it. All of it has changed. Whenever uh, COVID hit, a lot of people started working at home, obviously, you know, with the shutdown, it was, it was chaotic. There was so much going on with the cloud uh, or people connecting to the cloud when they would just have their computer at the office and they'd come in every single day and go home every single day. Next thing you know, the home office was everyone's bedroom, everyone's <laughs> den, everyone's living mm-hmm. room. Uh, I know I office out of the, our bedroom for a good while until I moved into the garage, the, a.k.a. the brewery. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I office out of there several days a week currently, so it's it, everything has changed. Well, and I know the way people react to technology to begin with is fascinating to me because things will happen. They'll go, it should just work. It's a computer. We see it on mm-hmm. a daily basis. Yeah. I turn it on. How come it doesn't work? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine what it must have been like when overnight the world went to working from home the technological issues that you would run into with your customers who, well, when I'm at the office plugged into this thing with my firewall and VPN and which stands for virtual or, private network. <laughs> or, or, bravo, bravo. Or you're applause. trying to do zoom calls and you know, all the yeah. video. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle. There's also a very large security risk as oh. well with the VPN that, that Jake mentioned. Right. Uh, you know, we have a lot of personal devices connecting into corporate networks and that's a very large security concern and needs to be looked at uh there's a lot of solutions out there currently that that uh that are in place but uh, when that first happened everyone was just frantic and doing anything and everything to keep their business open you know right. we're, again we're work with small medium-sized businesses and uh, you know the shutdown really hurt them yeah 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 especially trying to figure out, I, I think I said it to Dorian previously, but it seems to me that the pandemic was more problematic for micromanagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the idea that I can't go look over your shoulder and see what you're doing because you're at home now. Right. Um, and I think that it also provided a great opportunity for people who need a little bit of freedom. You know, yeah. like I, I can sit down and I can hammer out a ton of work in an hour and then I'm going to go walk around for 20 minutes and I've done more than enough work mm-hmm. to cover that time. You don't have to feel bad about it. I'm just, I just find it funny that half the world probably was really excited and half the world, no, 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 this is the worst thing ever. I can't, I can't a look lot, A lot of nervous owners out there. I can, I can tell you the owner of Upright Services, the company I work for, he called me just randomly out of the, throughout the day. Didn't even need anything. <laughs> just seeing if I was connected at my desk. Right. Working away. Uh, it was kind of funny. We look back and laugh about it, but... Yeah, a lot of ner- nervous owners. I mean, there was a lot going on, and that's their pride and joy. And oh yeah, well, and the, I mean, the, the passion that we have for what we do, exactly. It, it's just being an owner. Anyone mm-hmm. that owns a small business, right. hopefully, is passionate about it, or else they need to find something else. They should be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Yes. And the idea that the flip, the switch flipped <laughs> overnight is mm-hmm. just 
a weird thing. I, right. I'm kind of curious what the history books will look like in 20 years. But that's let's talk a about really it. good question. Well, yeah. tell me how how do you address these people that are not tech savvy, as Jake said, but all of a sudden started working from home from their private devices in their bedrooms, in their dens. Are you going to their location? Are you doing everything remotely? I mean, how, do, how does that work? It's, it is it is all remotely. Yeah, we, we, to my knowledge, we have not had to go to anyone's uh, home to help them Fantastic. get set up. Right. Uh, but, you know, we have a great tool set and that allows someone to connect straight to their computer in a secure fashion so that it's not an issue. Right. And it's, it's utilizing one of the tools that we use to remote into the machines as well. So it, it provides that, that level of security and that level of ease to, to connect to your machine and work. Sure. Uh, yeah. So when that, when all this went down, that's exactly what we started doing, but it went from 30, 40 calls a day to a hundred Wow. Hundred plus calls, trying to keep up with all the. I, I'm at home. I need to get connected, and and this is not something somebody saw coming. I mean, that's just happened mm-hmm. overnight. So, Correct. really changing on the fly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it changed our game quite a bit. Right. So, yeah. and just to segue badly a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, because I I love this story. I'm going to need you to to give us details, but you've always enjoyed doing things on the side. You. Your wife, Liz, one year for Christmas, got you dehydrator, a beef jerky machine maker. I'm I'm butchering what it's actually called, but... Yeah, dehydrator. Yeah, Yeah, dehydrator. Not a beef jerky making machine. (laughs) (laughs) He's the beef jerky making machine. Um, What is it about kind of doing something tactile like that that you enjoyed doing? You know, part of it, yeah, so Liz did buy that dehydrator. She's kind of got me into a lot of hobbies, but... (laughs) Uh, we thank you for that, Liz. Yeah, yes, for yeah, sure. absolutely. So there's something about seeing a product and being able to to do it on your own. You know, uh, knowing what goes into it, knowing the ingredients, the the back end, doing a little research, creating a recipe, really uh, figuring it out and enjoying the product, the end result as well. You know, the first couple batches of beef jerky. Did not turn out so well. <laughs> One sure. was so salty that it, uh, it was so <laughs> bad. Uh, but, yeah, over time, you, you really start tweaking it, and the, the recipe is just like beer. You, you know, the first batch is, is never great. But it gets better over time. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's one of the interesting hobbies is making a beef jerky, the beer as well. She got me a beer kit. Was it the yeah. following year? Probably so. Was, yeah. it, was it I need something to wash down the right. salty uh, beef that jerky That would be with. a good order. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good order to, to go in. Uh, so it was the same same thing. She bought me a one-gallon kit, and I went through it a few times, really started enjoying it, and, and grew from there. The, the only thing that she's gotten me as a gift that I did not pick up as a hobby was flying a plane. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she bought me a... Uh, flying lesson basically oh, wow. and went along with it really got into it then I saw how <laughs> how expensive it was oh yes yeah yeah, yeah you're talking over 10, that is an expensive hobby yeah. uh, over 10,000 just to get your license and training and paying the instructor I actually tried to market to the company and do their marketing for them just so that I could <laughs> wow. get free you know a little Cut trade your cost. Yeah. sure 
Wow. Yeah. He, he shortly saw my uh, marketing skills <laughs> and shut that down. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the okay, that's funny. They just need, they need 1820 marketing. Yes, yeah. they, they do. Well, when the end result hey, thanks is. Thanks for the plug, by the way. <laughs> awesome. When the end result is, um, and now I have to buy a plane. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. You know. Yes. But yeah. that was a great experience. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to dive into Sita Beer Works when we get back. But real quick, let's hear from our sponsors. Hey, we wanted to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help our clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com. It's something different. And now back to the show. Okay, see, so we buried the lead a little bit which is that Liz got you the one-gallon homebrew kit. Some people enjoy doing it at that small scale where I'm going to make some, I can drink it myself, I can give it to my family occasionally. You use it as an opportunity to, to grow and expand. I don't want to say take it to the next level because that sounds very cliche, but I also kind of think that you've kind of taken it to the next level, having seen your garage slash brewery. <laughs> um, yeah. What is it about beer brewing that fascinates you so much? Yeah, so, so early on, uh, before I got into brewing beer, I really started getting into the craft industry and having craft beer. Uh, um, you know, I actually had a fridge full of uh, different brands, and I think that's really what lit, got Liz into, uh, well, maybe he would like to buy or make his own beer, you know, try it out at home. So, yeah, again, it was a one-gallon kit. Going through the process, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I had a tablet up and watching the YouTube video that went with it. And YouTube is helpful. I would I would <laughs> pause it when I need to and play. And you know, I, I knew nothing about it. Had never uh, read a book on it or, or anything at that point. Wow. So uh, just following the instructions. And, you know, whenever, whenever you brew your first batch, and then at, at that point, you're adding yeast and letting it ferment. So that's that's a huge part of the beer making process is the fermentation. So when I first saw active fermentation, I was like, "That is wild!" If you've never seen it, it's uh, that yeast. Um, the fermentation is is the yeast turning the sugars into alcohol. So while it's doing that, it's turning, it's stirring, it's it's uh, bubbling, it's doing all kinds of different. Um, thing so it's actively moving around and it was in a glass jar so you could see it you could watch it and it was just fascinating to see it and uh, the process actually emits co2 as well so there's a blow-off tube that goes into you know some clean water and it will uh, bubble and just continue bubbling Hmm. uh, you know that that process usually takes about two weeks to to happen and if you're not kegging the beer you got to bottle it um which takes about another two weeks to do. Wow. So circling back to why I upscaled is you're looking at a, a month or, to get or a gallon. six weeks to get a gallon, <laughs> which is right. about six beers or so. So I, I quickly uh, scaled up to a five-gallon batch. Okay. You know, and just for quantity and having to wait that long for a, a, a little bit of beer. Right. So. Well, you, you talked a little bit about how the process works. As an IT guy, that doesn't sound like a science guy, but now you're you're dealing with beer and the fermentation fermentation process, all those kind of things. 
have you found that you enjoy science more or that, that idea? Because to me, I think that's what would prevent me from doing it is because I'm not that guy. The, not the science guy. I'm not the science, science guy. guy. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's. Uh, I do find it fascinating. I have read a ton of books on it in the process, and have a good understanding. So yeah, I guess I do have a an itch for that, and see it in other things. You know, bread and other mm-hmm. types of baking that yeast plays a big part of. So it, it really does relate to that. Um, but you know, as far as you're right, there's. The technology side, and then there's a the science side. Up until uh, this past year, I've, I've really gotten on the technical side of, of brewing, um, using equipment to watch fermentation, recording oh, yeah. it, using software to to watch it throughout the entire process. Doesn't necessarily change the beer introducing the technology, but you can do some really cool things with it and understand what it's doing and how it's doing it. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, um, we were talking earlier, and one of the things that, that I guess the way I see it, because I have a very artistic bent, but to me, it seems that you can use that you're making art with beer, and you can utilize the science to help with the art. Because again, you can mess up the beer, but there's so many different ways to make beer, whether it's light, dark. I mean, that's just at the most basic level, you know, IPAs and everything else. You have a choice when you make the beer what you make. How do you kind of how do you decide what to to go for next because i've tried a variety of your beers <laughs> so how do you kind of go let me try this this time yeah it's it's interesting uh, you know step, stepping back and looking at recipe design it's it's a uh, it's an interesting thing to go through is there's a there's a lot of styles of beers out there and there's a lot of commonalities between those styles of beer uh what we have in front of us right now is a light german ale called a kolsch you know there's a there's a lot of different styles of Kolsch out there, but they, they basically have the base grain, the base hops, usually using a, a light uh, Kolsch yeast to, to go with it. And, you know, for the majority of the fact, the majority of the beers come out uh, similar, you know, about the right. same. So when you're designing a recipe, uh, there's a couple ways of going about it. You can do a clone recipe of a different beer that you might like and then start tweaking that. Or you might be able to step back and look at a dozen different recipes and, and understand what you like, brew that, and then see what you want to change. So there's, there's a lot to do with that. I imagine that's the same thing if you're baking cakes or, or anything like sure. that, that you're, you're tweaking and, and, and making changes uh, on every batch. Yeah. So Right. You know, right now on, on television, different channels, there are a lot of... I guess, lack of a better term, moonshine shows where yeah. they're adding different flavors. They're adding cherry. They're adding honey. Whatever. Can you do all of those things with beer as well? You can. I've, there's uh, not necessarily doing it like a, a still or anything like that, but there are a ton of different flavors. So I actually do a lot of f- fruit infused beers. Mm-hmm. Um, strawberry blonde. Oh wow. Um, I also do a cranberry saison, which is like an earthy beer, but the cranberry kind of gives it a little bit of sour. I also uh, do a lot of different barrel aging beers as well. Um, I have one that's in a wine barrel right now, kind of giving some notes of the wine and nice. uh, characteristics of the beer. I actually just recently did a, if you're not familiar, a mead is a honey wine, and I did a hybrid mead slash beer. So it's 
It's basically taking about a pound of honey into one gallon of, of beer. So it's, it's wow. really, like really interesting. And yeah. it's, uh, I actually put one of those on peach and it turned out like peach tea. So it was wow. really, really, really oh, light. Wow. That sounds deceiving. It, yeah, it was <laughs> because it was also 10%. So <laughs> it was a really heavy. <laughs> right. But well, you yeah. know, we were fortunate enough to have you provide us some beer at a uh, recent golf event we had in 2020. Uh, we were with the chamber, and it was a huge hit. You took some of our coffee, infused it with your beer, and people kept coming back to the hole to get more of the coffee beer. Yeah, it, that's cool. It, it was neat to see because where we were, obviously we faced one hole and then behind us there was another hole and people would come to that one, stop, run drive over, over to us <laughs> to get another sample of it because they enjoyed it. And that day was cold. It was real <laughs> cold outside. It was great. It was fun. We had a blast at the event, but it was cold. <laughs> and And people kept coming by and it was – the thing I loved seeing was the look on their face when they would go, what do you have? And I go, we have a sample of coffee beer. And I go, oh, what? coffee beer. And I'm like, well, look, first of all, it's 1820 Coffee House on the sign. Of course, it's yeah. going to be a coffee beer. <laughs> and of it course, needs to be. Yeah. yeah. And it was delicious. Yeah. And then they would drink it and they'd go, well, can I get another? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. So that, that, uh, that was a little bit of an experiment. As well, you know, that's, that's the other thing and is being able to experiment with different recipes and do different things. And uh, Jake, when I, when I talked to you about uh, using some of your, your coffee, I think it was Arabic coffee. It was a uh, medium Ethiopian. 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 Uh, it was a medium mm-hmm. um, roast. It's, it's uh, you know, common to see coffee in dark, dark beers, dark stouts, dark, you know, just really heavy beers and something that would complement the notes. So I wanted to do a little something different and go go light with it because a lot of people prefer a lighter beer. You know, if you look at the population, majority of people are going for lighter beers, whether that's, you know, even a, a Bud Light or uh, some kind of Kolsch, something like sure. that, a lighter beer versus a, a heavy one. So when, I, when we talked about it, I went ahead and designed this, and it's actually based on a Kolsch recipe. And... Um, Put coffee on it, and it, it's not coffee as in uh, really bitter. It just had like a light hint it was to a, it. It was yeah. an aftertaste of coffee mm-hmm. that was just yeah. It was really neat to because I, I think when I talked to you about doing it initially, I've had a, had a beer with coffee before, and it was not good. It was like an espresso shot bitter, Again, and, not good. and so it was neat to talk to you, and then to see the final result, which I had nothing to do with. Um, but to have talked to you just even briefly about about it and to see your mind working, I can see the wheel spinning, and then Usually you come back is. with something, yeah. you know, you want to try Tangible, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. And and that's one of the things that I, I appreciate is that you really love the tactile experience. It is a process. You do have to wait weeks, and that's part of why you scaled up a little bit. But the other thing to me is that you really love the process. You love, like you said, designing beers. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, it's something that... I'm in my garage, a.k.a. brewery, again, uh, just about every day doing something, checking on something, and I do have a passion for something that I want to grow in even more. I am looking to open a, a uh, official brewery to the public sometime in the next year or two. I just have to figure out how to run a business before doing that. <laughs> sure. Right, and and we talked before we started this interview that the 
TABC has very specific guidelines that you have to stick with. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, just just a, a high level. There's a lot of detail to it, but high level one, you have to be zoned and be able to produce the beer. You have to have the facility and the equipment to be able to apply for the license. Once you apply for the license, you're sitting on that equipment for, I hear it's about 60 days, sometimes 90 days. So you're sitting on all that, all that equipment, that rent, everything that goes yeah, with I, it before you can even pour your first beer. So there's a lot that goes with that as well. So right. just to get going. And yeah. is Pearland zoned to be able to produce beer now? Because it didn't used to be, correct? From what I understand, there's there's two breweries in, in Pearland. Right. Uh, Backfish and, and Valensons, right. uh, which I'm friends with, with both of them. They're, they're both great people. Um, so there are, it's it's not necessarily the, the city. It's just a certain area. I got you. That is, uh, I guess, considered industrial enough. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Industrial enough to... To uh, produce beer. Well, yeah, because I guess technically you are manufacturing something. So they right. probably want you to be in an area that that's okay with versus residential or commercial, even mm-hmm. like a strip center. You know, I can see there being issues. Yeah, um, and that's if you, the, the other caveat to that is, and when you apply for the license, I, I don't remember the actual name of the sign you put on the window, but you have to put a sign up that you're, you're applying, uh, applying sure. and people can protest that and for delay. the next 30 or 60 days, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Kind of like you talked about with the, the home brew kit that you, you seem very active in the, I don't know what else to call it besides home brew community in the Pearland, I'll throw in Alvin area mm-hmm. um, in the sense that uh, there's meetups and you go in and you, you're able to talk with others. And I, I will say that I've had a lot of conversations with you about, the process of making beer and you don't make me feel like an idiot for not knowing <laughs> the details. I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Cause I've been around plenty of people that try and explain what makes a beer better than another. And at the end of the day, I just go, I'm just going to go on home. Does it taste good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep because you're being such a jerk. Yeah. You don't do that. You're very apt at explaining the process and the differences. And, and so I think that when you're around other home brewers, that that's going to come out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I should be involved a little bit more in some of the clubs that are in the area. I'm actually talking with one out of uh, the Bay Area. Um, nice. And, you know, we, we've been talking for a little while, but uh, it's something that I should be more involved in. But, yeah, as far as talking about the process, I'm, I'm always, like, eager to talk about it and let people know because – it is it's fascinating to me, and I think a lot of people are fascinated with the process and, and what goes into it, uh, as well as it's a community. You know, there's, there's a lot with that. And, you know, touching, touching on that for a little bit, the industry, there, there are a lot of breweries out there right now. And if you look overseas in Germany and other areas, you might have mm-hmm. heard this before, but a lot of towns will have their own local brewery. Okay. Shiner. <laughs> yeah, Shiner's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So a lot of, I, we see a lot of things moving towards that as far as having local breweries, more local breweries, and not necessarily the uh, the big guys. However, the big guys are buying up all the local right. breweries. Yeah, so, a little unfortunate with that, but it's uh, still hoping to get that that community together. So, so where do you ultimately see Cita Beer Works? You know, I was I was really focused in in Pearland. However, you know, I know the, the Manville 
Alvin area is growing, and it would be a, a really good good uh, place to to do that. I know Gordon Street, you know, they produce their own beer. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think they're still. They do. Yeah. 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 Henry, Henry has a passion for that too, just mm-hmm. just like you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunity and growth down here that yeah. uh, is, is intriguing me more and more. So, yeah. And next, maybe I'll open next door at eighteen twenty. Hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a plan. We we can have a tap going through the wall. Start exactly. Mix. Start mixing that coffee beer again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's what's neat to me is that I know that you are also a big fan of Valentins and Backfish. We mentioned them earlier, but the way that they do what they do is very cool. Again, it, it's. Fairly family oriented. How is it described? Hammerheads. Mm-hmm. The, like the idea, there's some people who just like go places to drink to get drunk, and that's not what Valentins is. That's not what backfish is. That's not what is. they are. No, that's, um, you're absolutely right. That's a, that's exactly right. A lot of breweries will close down at nine. Um, maybe you'll find one that opens up to ten, but a lot will will shut down early because they don't they don't want it to be a drunk fest. They don't right. want people getting sloppy. They they want to come. Enjoy the beer, enjoy the experience. A lot of them are family friendly, and you know, Valentin's has a huge, you know, backyard, and yeah, um, you know, Backfish has a huge tap room. So right, it's, it's a really a great experience to to go out and just hang out and have a couple beers and not get sloppy. You know, yeah. we're at least I'm getting older. I'm not going <laughs> to try to go out and get sloppy, but right, right, it but does it, happen. And you do have your kids <laughs> running around, and that's exactly. Something that I've heard Liz mentioned is mm-hmm. she loves about Valentins is they can go, y'all can go as a family. Mm-hmm. And it's like a neat thing that they can run around. You don't have to kind of be worried, which is weird yeah. to say at what would be a brewery. Right. It's created that environment where you can go and. Exactly. We have a 11 year old boy and a seven year old daughter. So it's like having them safe in the safe environment and yeah, sure. being yeah. able to not worry about something versus. Going to an actual bar, that would be right. Right, and and Backfish is doing the same thing. They're doing yeah. family events where, yeah, where you're bringing the family out, whether it's trivia night or whatever. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's good to hear. So, and so speaking of Valentins, this past weekend you had an event there. Yeah, uh, or you were part of an event. Let me put it this way: it was their event, but you were there. What can you tell us a little bit about what that was? Yeah, so a uh, a local homebrew store, you know where. I get my supplies, and I think about half my paycheck goes to. Uh, they, you know, created a beer competition and wanted to to do it in a way that gave back to a veterans fund. You know, to oh, yeah. all proceeds go towards um, a veterans fund. So it started at that, and Val got into it, and they decided to to partner. So it was really cool seeing a homebrew store, Hopping Grape, and Valentin's work together. You know, to small businesses working together to, to create this event. So what they did is there's a, a hop out there called Warrior Hop. Oh. And you know it's it's a bittering hop so you usually have it in the in the beginning and uh, so it gives a lot of aroma and it's not typical it's not a a, a common hop but it's out there. Uh, so part of the the competition was, you know, any recipe that had the Warrior Hop in it. And I just happened to have a uh, what they call West Coast IPA that had Warrior Hop in it. So I submitted it, and there were, I think, 31 entries, and mine actually won. Yes. So it was it was really cool. Just just uh, it's a little bit of bragging rights, but just really 
appreciate all the hard work that goes into it and sure. seeing that a, a really good product comes out. So part of the the winning uh, the prize, I guess you would say, is brewing your recipe at Balancins. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I went up there a few weeks ago, uh, worked with Val and his, his brew crew, that's what he calls yeah. them, and really good guys, really good guys. But we brewed our recipe and... Yeah, it's it's uh, it was a little challenging. It was a challenge that, or I should say, it's a little more challenge for for Val. But uh, upscaling the the brew, upscaling the recipe, from I should say, yeah. going from five, ten, fifteen, because I can brew up to fifteen gallons at a time. Uh, he's brewing at a hundred gallons, oh, wow. so it's it's a lot different. He he had to really figure out the different timing of the boil and. and adding the hops and changing up the salt profile because if you were to just take that and times it by whatever to to get to 100 gallons, it would be very salty. It would be off. Yeah, it would be very off. But he did a great job matching matching that, that recipe. So last weekend they had a, a big uh, veterans event and released the beer and all the, the proceeds were donated to Veterans Fund. That's so, awesome. That's very uh, cool. Yeah, and also the the – Hop and Grape, the homebrew store, created the recipe, or they they created kits to sell to everyone, so that you can oh, brew wow. that that beer at home as well. So, so those other people that are starting off with that one gallon can start with, yeah, <laughs> fantastic, exactly. yeah. So full was, circle, look at there. Yeah, it was really really uh, a neat experience. So. Well, let me ask you this: so those people that are interested in trying some of the beers that we've been talking about that you're doing that, that Jake and I personally feel like you're killing it. Uh, how is there a way for them to be able to try that? Is there anything they can do? Can they get it at Val's or they can, the, uh, the, we call it the sitting warrior is the beer that was released. Uh, it was the West coast IPA among the recipe I created. That is, uh, that is on sale at, and it's still on tap at Valentin's right now. As far as others, you know, legally I'm not allowed to, to, to sell, and sure. I don't because it's, it's, it's not sure. right to do right. that. But if you ever, if anyone's listening ever want to try it out, hit me at Sitta Beer Works on Instagram or Facebook and might be able to. And that's S-I-T-T-A, Sitta Beer Works. Correct. Well, just to go back to a little bit of what you said. Yeah. We've talked before, and, and, and I know that there are people who are home brewers who skirt that as far as selling their Wait, product. I'm trying to get around it. I may or may not know. <laughs> right. You've scaled up. You, you're doing things beyond one gallon, but yet you still, I'm going to say, do the honorable thing, which right. is you go, okay, I'm, I'm working. I have the end result. I want to get to have a full-blown brewery, and obviously we'll be selling it then. But until then, we're still going to follow the rules and I probably know people that are not actually doing that. And so I would just say, I appreciate your willingness to, to do the honorable thing, even though Sometimes it's probably the honorable thing is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's been, uh, it's been tempting. However, uh, you know, there's another piece that I left out as well that might take away from a little bit of that. If you, if you ever get caught unlicensed selling, selling beer, you can never get a license wow. to sell beer yeah. yeah, or any kind of alcohol or, Anything else? Wow. So. And, and we should clarify that the beer we got for the golf tournament was donated. Uh, by yes, you, yes. So. samples. And, yes, and we absolutely. didn't we didn't sell it either. We we it was donated. all samples. Yeah, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. But I, I love doing events. I love uh, yeah. I've done some. Uh, you know, Liz, my wife, she's she's in uh, the local politics, and she does a lot of uh, 
events. So I've I've donated quite a few uh, beers and things over the years. It turned so. into an expensive hobby. It did, but I still love it. I still love it. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. Right. Well, that's a good yeah. thing. Again, I, I, to me, I see it as an opportunity for you. You're doing market research. You're able to yeah. test things, see what people like, what they don't like, modify as needed. You know, so that when you do launch, launch, you're good. You're not. People aren't buying your product for you then to experiment. You're doing the testing now, so that when you're ready to launch, you're ready to launch versus catch up there are different ways of of opening a brewery and there's there's one where you go out and get a lot of investors you know and then, and then there's others and that you start off small start off on the weekends work hard expand and grow into it there's there's no right or wrong on that on that piece of it but it's it's a uh, difficult either way it's challenging i've seen a lot of people work really really hard to get that going and get a brand sure. out yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say that however you end up getting there, wherever you end up, Jake and I will be customers. There you go. I appreciate that. Absolutely. For sure. I appreciate for sure. that. And like you said, if people want to find out more about you, Facebook.com, Instagram.com slash Works. That will work. That will take you there. There you go. Well, thank you very, very much for coming. Yeah, thank yeah you we for appreciate you coming us. out and talking to us for sure. Uh, thank you. I always love learning new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Creating Community is available on Google or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also listen directly from our website at 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. I assume you're <laughs> editing this. Yes, we, we will. I'm the editor, so I can screw as much as I want. Y'all don't get to.